fear of failure is real. Hmm. It is not, you shouldn't apologize for having it. It's normal. I feel it all the time, but it's still deciding that it's a feeling. I don't need to decide to make this based on this feeling. I can push past this feeling and still choose to do the thing that's in front of me. Fierce Lab is a podcast series for women. It's powered by the Tara Wilson Agency, the agency that gets women. It's a space to focus on our whole selves, from mental health to career development to financial intelligence. To be fierce is to be confident, capable, and strong. Fierce Lab offers inspiration, tools, and community. It's where we can explore new ideas and encourage discovery. Here, trying something new is celebrated. No one has it all figured out, but together, we can step fiercely into what's next. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fierce Lab. I'm your host, Tara Wilson, and I am super excited today to be speaking with Sheba Phillip, and we're going to be talking about courageous leadership. Sheba is a marketer, and she has had this vast experience across a variety of brands, having worked from with Oreo to JCPenney, and lastly to Acola Jewelry. Good morning, Sheba. I'm so glad we're getting an opportunity to chat today and talk all about leadership. Oh, good morning, Tara. So great to see you and happy Friday. Yeah, same. I I love recording podcasts on a Friday. It it always feels like a great way to kick off my weekend. And and I'm excited to be talking to you because you are closing out our season three podcast as we're leaning into Women's History Month. It's a delight to be able to talk to you and share your story. I've known you for a long time. I met you years ago at an American Marketing Association luncheon where you were speaking and presenting. And I'm just delighted that we've gotten to stay connected and build a professional friendship with one another and really thrilled that you're going to bring your advice, guidance, and experience today around the topic of leadership to our listeners. Okay, so let's just kind of back up for our listeners. As I mentioned, you've you've worked for Oreo, JCPenney, and so on. Let's go ahead and kind of give our listeners a bit of your background. As I mentioned, you've worked for Oreo and JCPenney and Acola. So let's just kind of let everybody know a bit more about you, and then we'll really get into this conversation. So kind of share a bit about yourself for me, Sheba. Well, I'll start with kind of who I am. I was talking to somebody and, and he was giving me this counsel. He's like, you talk about what you do, but you never talk about who you are. And I was like, wow, I need to reflect on that. So who I am first is mm-hmm. a woman that is tremendously motivated by purpose mm-hmm. and believes that my gifts and my skills have been uniquely put into me by God to really help and lift up other people. And my forum and my platform is business. And it's also kind of, you know, working in the nonprofit arena. But I'm motivated, like at the core, the core of who I am is that I am built for a purpose. And that is to bring light and to lift up the people around me. And so that's what who I am. And then what I do is really I'm about building brands with purpose. And they can be across nonprofit and for-profit. They can be Fortune 10. They can be early stage ventures. I've had a really interesting career of which you have been part of this journey, Tara, over the last five, gosh, I think almost think five or six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I really have spent the last 25 years across multiple industries and sectors, all with the core objective of building brands that deeply connect with consumers and create positive change in the world. And I've done that in food and beverage. I you know, started with 10 years working at Kraft Foods and Mondelez International running brands for them. And my favorite brand there was Oreo. And mm-hmm. what I love about Oreo and its purpose is that I was connecting women with their children through every twist, lick and dunk of that cookie. And it was so fun to do that in across a hundred countries around the world. I then left Oreo and, and my work at Kraft and Mondelez, and I stepped into the world of NGOs and fighting modern day slavery and human trafficking. And I used my marketing skill set to elevate awareness around the issue of working around the world. And I worked for a large organization called International Justice Mission based in Washington, DC. And I did that. And then I went back into private sector and I spent my, you know, a few years here in Dallas helping revitalize one of America's most loved retailers, mm-hmm. JC and Everyone asks me, well, what was the purpose behind that? And I always tell people, JCPenney was all about democratizing retail for the working middle class. Yes. And to really be a source of style and value and good merchandise at a fair price for people that really work hard and need to stretch their dollar. And to me, that was an incredible purpose. And so I joined as the head of marketing, brand marketing for them and was part of, a tur- of the turnaround team you know, around 2015. And so I did that. And then after that, I decided, you know, I've done a lot in kind of big company, both in private sector and nonprofit. And I really want to now build a purpose-driven brand from the ground up at the, at the studs, at the stud level. And how do, how do you do that? And that's by joining a startup. So I joined the startup, a startup, and I became the CEO of Acola Jewelry. It's a Dallas-based early-stage venture that is a retail brand, jewelry brand that empowers and employs women in Eastern Africa. And there we have a production facility that employs the poorest of the poor and they handcraft each piece of jewelry. And we, you know, during my tenure, really just built that brand and expanded its distribution in places like Nordstrom, Neiman's and Saks. So I had a really fun ride and I did that for the last four years and stepped down from that role recently. And now what I do is I'm trying to take all of the lessons and good and bad failures and successes of my career and pour that into empowering and equipping leaders that are trying to build purpose-driven brands. So I've launched an advisory practice and I'm excited to build that. And we've talked a lot about that, you and I, but that started pretty recently. And now I'm in the early stages of that. Yeah. I love this. You're motivated by your purpose. And I do see how your purpose has been woven through all of your career choices. What I know about you is you were very, you've been very deliberate in the career choices that you've made. And I find myself really gravitating toward your work that you did at JCPenney because, as you know, I was raised in Northwest Arkansas. I was raised in a small town of 1,400 people. So, you know, you'd go to the nearest city, which was 40 or 50,000 people. We had a mall and JCPenney was one of the anchors, JCPenney and Dillard's. And I grew up shopping at JCPenney. And you're right. I still remember the mix-it department. (laughs) I might be dating myself to some of our listeners. But, you know, JCPenney was where you went 
to get the really cool stuff. And yeah. nowadays, I feel like probably this generation looks to Target the way my generation looked to JCPenney. And JCP was the place to go. And you're right. It was for hardworking people that wanted great fashion and and value for their dollar. And then when you went to Ecola, I watched your career blossom and bloom there and really just inspired by the work that you and your team did within that organization. And so I know that you're in a new season, and I think why it's really important to tell your story to our listeners, as we discussed the other day, is that everyone evolves, our careers evolve, and we move in and out of seasons, and it takes courage to do that. And I'm watching you and have watched you move in and out of opportunities for your career with so much courage. And and I'm really excited to, to dig into that. So you say that we don't celebrate as women, oftentimes, what we bring to the table. I want to know what you mean by that. And then how do you remind yourself to celebrate what you bring to the table? Hmm. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting every time people ask me, like, what's your journey? And I talk about this 25-year career spanning industries and companies and big brands and small brands. And yet, the big thing that gnaws at me sometimes deeply when I think about my advisory practices, okay, do I have enough? Do I have enough experience to, to bring to the table? And it's just the most, it's the most illogical kind of question, but it's, it's, and it has nothing to do with an actual data set. It's just really a feeling of not being enough and not having enough, like you said, to bring to the table, to people, to companies, to leaders. And I think it comes from a, you know, sometimes like I think a false narrative that Mm. who you are is what you do. And if what you do is not perfect and not perfect all the time, you're not enough. And I've had to really unwind that narrative and build a new narrative that it says like, you know, I am who I am because of all the wonderful skills, experiences, my character, my integrity. And that gives qualifies me to be at the table and even the successes and failures, the ups and downs of my career, the things that I probably wouldn't brag about at, at a cocktail hour, mm-hmm. it's still stuff that has strengthened me and sharpened me and put me through the fire that allows me to then be a really sage, wise counselor to other people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really it. It's just that we've got to keep reminding ourselves that we are, that we have what it takes. We can be in the rooms where we feel unqualified to be at and that our our experiences, our journeys, our highs and lows have all prepared us for that moment. Yeah. And how often do we start to focus on all the things that didn't go right? And before long, that snowballs for us. And we do start to feel like, okay, you know what? I don't deserve to be here. I'm not enough. Somebody else is smarter than me. They've got a better track record than me. Hearing you say that reminds me, I'm, I'm currently watching I'm going to call it a documentary, but the the show, The Lost Table, it's about Chef Erin French, and she's in Freedom, Maine, and she has this restaurant that has like 40 seats, and 
She has an incredible backstory. And part of that backstory includes a lot of things that she considers to be failures and some might consider to be failure. Drug addiction, checked herself into recovery, lost her restaurant, lost her spouse. And she talks in her episodes about how she's been forged by the fire and these past experiences. But those past experiences have made her opportunities right now so rich. And I look at you and I look at your past experiences and and what you have experienced through the career that you've had. And I know for a fact that those perspectives make your work so rich. You and I have talked about failure as well. And I see you shaking your head. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, you know, I I was thinking about, we mentioned a show and I was thinking about a show that I have been watching. So I am not a golfer, but there's a show called Full Swing right now on Netflix. It's all about Mm -hmm. the, the sport of golf and profiling different athletes and you know, it's interesting that even the most successful athletes at the at their top of their career still question whether they belong on a golf course or they belong on the court of, and the game of life. And it's really was really inspiring. Yesterday, I watched an episode on Tony Finau, and I'm sure some of many people on this who's listening to this podcast would know who this person is. Yeah. I barely knew him, but I was super inspired by his story. And he they profiles him in this episode, and I there was a sentence he said, which really hit me. And it was, what he said was, winners are just losers that never give up. Mm-hmm. And he said that uh, most of the game of life is you're actually losing most of the time, but it's when you lose and you learn that you can then achieve those kind of big, you know, those, those moments of winning, but really for him and, and in the game of golf, I didn't realize it's like, you're actually losing most of the time as a golfer, as, even as a professional golfer, you're rarely winning, but it's in the losing that you're learning and preparing for that win when you get it. I, I wonder Sheba, what, when do we decide I'm, I'm losing and I'm throwing in the towel and I'm losing and I'm going to keep going for you What's, what's that distinguisher for you? I think it's because I don't define my life based on the achievements I make or don't make. Mm. And when you don't define your life by that, it's actually quite liberating to then lose and sometimes lose hard and, and, and not giving up. You know, and, and I think, you know, you, you know, you and I have, are friends and I've shared a lot about my personal faith journey. My faith informs so much of what I do. And I think that everybody has to have kind of a North Star that guides them, mm-hmm. not defined by the everyday ups and downs of life or what people think about you or if you're killing it or not killing it at work. To me, that North Star is my faith. And I define myself by who God created me to be. And that gives me the freedom to kind of face life and go through really tough seasons Mm -hmm. and not give up because whatever the outcome is, it doesn't actually really matter. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm quite defined by something way bigger than the outcome itself. Mm -hmm. That North star, yours is your faith. And what I hear you saying is that every person needs to decide 
What is their North Star? What guides them? What's bigger than them? What does success look like for them? Is it, you know, it's got to, you, you've got to have something that keeps you going even when times are tough so that you don't throw in that towel. You talk about this concept of moving up versus moving on. My mind goes there as we're having this conversation. So explain as a leader what you're thinking about when you're thinking about moving up and moving on. Yeah, you know, it's 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 moving up, it's to your point, moving on, it's moving out. And I think that, you know, as successful women and, you know, women that want to build that legacy and that story and that resume, oftentimes we get on this ladder and we're climbing and we're climbing, we're moving up, but we realize our ladder is leaning against the wrong building and we're climbing on the wrong ladder itself. Mm. And, you know, it takes courage to say, okay, you know what? I could actually climb this ladder and I could do it. It's not because I don't have the skill or the gifting or the, the wherewithal to do it. It's just that I don't enjoy doing this. And it's not mm-hmm. where it's giving me my best. It's not where I'm flowing in my best gifts and my how God's created me to be. And so I am having the courage to take get off this ladder and jump on another ladder. And move out, you know, and and to and, and that that is really, I think, a challenge that many women will face in their career. I have faced it, you know. I, as you know, started my career working in big Fortune ten, and, and I love it. I loved it at the time, and mm-hmm. it gave me so many skills. But when I look back on it, I realized it was preparing me to move out. It was actually preparing me mm-hmm. to, you know, move out into a new frontier and achieve a different type of journey for my career. And I needed that, those, those early, you know, experiences and tools. But for me, it wasn't, I realized moving up the corporate ladder was not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to take those skills and move out and move into new arenas and new platforms. Mm -hmm. And the revelation came through failure, through, through having challenges in my corporate life and realizing, okay, what about this was difficult? Did this really align with my gifts and my talents? And does it really give me joy? And I realized like now what I'm doing now is way more clarifying. And and I think has pointed me to the place where I source my joy more than where I was early in my career. Mm. So, and some people feel like moving up means I wasn't, I I couldn't do it. No, I I I could have done it. I believe that. But for me, it was like, I didn't want to do it. And I think that's actually the most confident choice you can make is to say, I'm doing this because I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not because I can't or because I should or should not. It's because I just want to do something different. And that's what I mean by moving out. I like what you said. That's the most confident choice. You know, making the decision based around what brings you joy, where your purpose is, where your passions are. Now, sometimes we don't have those choices. Sometimes we have to keep the job we're in. And we know that we're not, this is not a conversation about that, but this is a bigger, more strategic view of your career and of leadership. So I would ask you, Sheba, what advice do you have for women who are in the midst of a career transition or thinking about stepping into a career transition? Mm. You know, I think it's taking a, like I said, like a really good inventory check of what are your gifts? What, Mm -hmm. what brings you joy? What, what do you, what do you, when do you light up at work? I think often someone said to me, you know, 
in work, you want to have at least 70% of your work be something that just really lights you up and gets you excited to get up in the morning every day. And 30% of it, all of us, it's it's called work for a reason, right? We all do what we want to do. And it's, you know, mind numbing and that's okay. But 70% of it should feel like, okay, I actually really love this. and I'm willing to do the 30% because of the 70%. Mm -hmm. But for me, I realized I was more reverse. I was doing probably 70% of stuff I didn't like to do. And the work that I actually love to do, I was only doing this, only having a small amount of time against that. I think doing that type of assessment of yourself, you know, where am I on that balance? 70, 30, am I there? If I'm not there, what does my, what would I want it to look like? Mm -hmm. And, and then really think about, okay, what would be the right work and things to do that could, that can help me get to that better balance. Mm -hmm. And I I also encourage people to say, it doesn't mean just leave your company. I mean, I think there's so many ways to, to, to kind of move out by still being in the same place you're at. Uh-huh. That could just be a really great conversation with your manager and saying, you know what, I'd love to try a different project mm-hmm. or do a different thing to add to my 70% or to, you know, experiment and see if I'm, if this is really going to give me, you know, the best alignment with my gifts and my talents. Mm-hmm. So it's really around taking little moving out steps, even in the place you're at. And it doesn't always require this massive transition and shift. I'm so glad you said that. Because you're right. Sometimes we can't, it's not about moving out on the job that you're in and the company that you're working for, but it's about raising your hand and asking for new opportunities for exploration, for practice, for evolving this sense. Because I think at the end of the day, when you are enjoying your work, you are a better worker. You you bring more, you contribute more to, or, to your organization. I've spoken about this before on the podcast. Several of my clients through the agency have what's called stretch assignments, where you're filling your primary role, but you're also stretching into another role. And you often have to raise your hand for those assignments. Um, But it gives you a chance to try something new, to work with a new team, get to know new leaders in an organization. So to hear you talk about doing that also and and to advise a a woman to speak up and ask for those opportunities, that's, that's really powerful. You also talk about staying in flow when you're thinking about your career transition to to be open to flowing and also open to evolving i think you know you spoke earlier about rewriting a false narrative um i think that's really powerful advice as well yeah you know i think there the, you know, I think I look at our life as a whole story, you know, and, you know, and again, through my faith lens, I feel like God put me on this earth. He has a purpose for me as a story he's, he has for me. And my job is to partner with him to explore and to have that story be written out page by page. And, and sometimes you're writing these chapters and it's kind of building a story and then you realize, okay, I want a different ending. I want to do a little bit of a rewrite. And I think that's completely okay. And I actually think it doesn't mean that you made a mistake. It just means that in this season now you're, you're pivoting, you're shifting. So So how does a woman do that? How, How does she clarify for herself? Like, Hey, I'm ready for this rewrite because that feels big. 
So what are some tips on how a woman could start to do that? Well, I'll tell you, I, I'm going to tell you right now, there is no formula and there okay. is no five-step plan. <laughs> I wish life was that easy or else I would be rewriting my story by now. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, let's just talk about my personal journey. So I've spent the first 25 years of my career being an executive within the walls of a company. You know, we talked about big and small, fortune mm-hmm. and nonprofit, multiple sectors, all in the area of general management, brand management. Loved what I did, but realizing now, kind of going back to that 70-30 principle, what, where I come alive is actually catalyzing leaders, empowering them, advising them, helping them solve problems, helping them take, you know, the muddiness and the grayness of a, of a venture or company, adding order and clarity to it. And I love to use my voice to talk, to speak like things like this, like podcasts. And I'm you know, like, I love to public speak. That's my, where my gravitation sits. And so mm-hmm. I am doing a rewrite as we speak, you know, instead of taking the next executive job, I've intentionally chosen to, to not do that and to start an advisory practice where I'm helping leaders build their companies and their brands, advising, like I said, public speaking, doing the things I just talked about. And for me, the first step is the revelation that, okay, I want something different for the next chapter of my life. Mm -hmm. And I want to start to put on paper those things that I know I like to do, that I'm good at, that I think can contribute to my purpose and help activate my purpose in the world. And now I'm just going to start to take some steps of faith. So for me was, okay, I'm going to launch a consultancy. My biggest step of faith was just saying no to the offers that were coming to me to be, be an executive again, back mm-hmm. in April. I said, you know what? I, I, I know I should do this or I could do this, but I don't want to do this. This was mm-hmm. going, I'm going to move out. Like I said, I'm going to move, not keep moving up this ladder. I'm going to move out and try my hand at something that I know I'm drawn to. And so it's just taking those little steps of faith. It could be saying no to an opportunity and exploring an opportunity that comes before you. It could be just little things. And it's so organic. And it mm-hmm. there's a flow to it. Like you said, like, you know, you kind of just get on the water and you let the water move you to the next, you know, thing. I don't think this, it's this very structured strategic plan you got to build. At least for my life, it has not been that way. Yeah, It's been a lot of instinct a lot of where my, where's my heart being drawn to. And let me just act courageously today and do one thing that is a step of faith, you know, knowing that, you know, God has a plan for me. And I'm going to just, I'm going to try this out and see what happens. Yeah. I may talk to you three years from now and say, Oh my gosh, Sarah, that consulting thing was such a bad idea. But it led me to this. And now I'm doing yes. this and I'm super excited. I don't even know what that this will be. I'm letting right. the narrative just kind of get written out page by page. And I guess that's where I'm at. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just kind of organically flowing a little bit, if that makes yeah. any sense. And it does. Just steps. Well, and you said, you know, there's not a five-step process because if there were, you would have done it. And But I do want to summarize your process because I am a firm believer that we take things away from what others are doing and we apply them to our own lives. So you said, one, you acknowledge you've had a revelation that you want to make a change. You're reflective of of where you are and where you want to go. So reflect and and 
step two is then you put it on paper. You wrote out what you're good at and how that contributes toward your higher purpose. And then the third step is that you stepped out on faith. You acted courageously and you did one thing. So reflection, writing out what you're good at and how that aligns to your higher goal for yourself. And then you took a small step. I'm reminded of a woman, her name is Brandis Daniels, and she's the founder of Harlem Fashion Row. I follow her on Instagram. I actually know her. And she recently wrote a post. She's she's an entrepreneur, and her post was a note to herself that said, do not spend your precious time worrying about the solution to the entire situation. Ask yourself, what's the best next step? And take it. And that's, you, you just said number three, you, 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 in your own words, said the exact same thing with you stepped out on faith and you took one act. So what's the next best step? And then just take it. I love that, Tara. So beautifully said. And, you know, you need to send me your notes because I need to obviously have my, your, your articulation of my stepped plan sounds fantastic. But the one other step I would add to your list, and you triggered a thought to me, is engaging community. Mm-hmm. It's so important when you're in this journey of rewriting, exploring your next season, your transitioning, is to have community be alongside of you. You know, it's, it's your husband, it's your you know partner, it's your children, it's your, you know, your mentors. And so mm-hmm. I've had a lot of people that have really just spoken into my life in meaningful ways through, through this season. And it said to me, okay, you know what, Sheba, you're really built to do this. Have you thought about this? Mm. And, you know, I remember early on when I was thinking about turning down some of these opportunities in executive roles, there were fantastic roles, but just not feeling like I'm drawn to it. And I feel like I really want to launch in you know, a practice of equipping leaders in their ventures and businesses. I remember, you know, two critical conversations. I, you know, a person last year was, you know, on the phone with me and he was like, you know what, why, you know, you need to be advising. You need to be taking all these skills and pouring it into leaders. That's what gives you joy. And, you know, that you should really consider that. That was a little light bulb moment. And then I took what he said and I really thought about it. And then next year I'm sitting at a wedding with my friends and family and I'm having a, cocktail with my brother and my cousins mm-hmm. and they're asking me about my journey and I'm like yeah I'm thinking about doing this consultancy thing I don't know I really I'm, I'm, I love I'm so passionate about developing leaders particularly female entrepreneurs and I want to help build their businesses and take everything I've learned and pour it into them and they were just like you need to do this now like mm-hmm. this is who you are this is what, what are you afraid of? What's the worst that can happen? They kind of walked me mm-hmm. through all of the anxieties and fears I had. And I came out of that wedding convinced. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so I think it was community and people that you deeply respect and trust and allowing them to speak into your life uh, to me has been an absolute critical step in this, yeah. in kind of just deciding where my story goes. 
I, I fully agree with that. And as you're talking about, you said engaging community, I call it socializing the idea. And that's part of my own personal framework for when I'm going to take a risk. We talk a lot on the podcast about risk taking. Um, and I want to go to the fear of failure piece that you brought up just a little bit ago. But you you said you you and your family were exploring like, what's the worst that could happen? And I think that's a really valuable exercise because sometimes we get so scared of all the potential outcomes and that holds us back. And so if that's a fear, if that's something that's holding you back from transitioning and being courageous about it, then think through what is the absolute worst that could happen? And then could you live with it? You know, I, I, I can't answer that question <laughs> for anyone, but you can answer it for yourself. And so I'm, I appreciate that you brought that up, engaging with your community to get their feedback and input. And you're right. Do that with your mentor. Do that with your family. Do that with your friends. But definitely do it with people that you trust and admire. So let's chat about, chat about fear of failure. What does that look like for you? Well, first I will say that everyone has fear. It is completely natural. In fact, I was I was texting one of a friend of mine who's about to consider a really large promotion and was scared to take the role because of just the enormity of the leadership opportunity and she up for the task. And what I said to her was being fearful is totally okay. You don't need to apologize for being fearful. Anyone would be nervous in that situation, fearful, worried. It's about, despite the fear, stepping forward in faith and, you know, trusting God and just moving ahead and just, and, and, and going forward despite the fear you feel. So the first thing I would say is fear of failure is real. Mm-hmm. It is not, you shouldn't apologize for having it. It's normal. I feel it all the time, but it's still deciding that it's a feeling. I don't need to decide to make decisions based on this feeling. I can push past this feeling and still choose to do the thing that's in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I, when we think about fear of failure, I always remind myself it's an emotion. It's a feeling. It's a thought. And you don't need to give energy to that feeling, that thought. It's okay. You don't have to, to own that. that. Mm-hmm. You have to own it, but push past it. And the other thing is, to your point is, how do I define failure? To me, honestly, failure for me would be that I didn't live out my purpose. I didn't live out my God-given purpose. I didn't use the gifts and talents God gave me to lift up other people. And if I just didn't pursue things that, that if I didn't do that intentional, to me, that's a failure. Yeah. But outside of that, if I did, I did it with that purpose in mind and it didn't go well, or I didn't, you know, hit it out the park. Yeah. Okay. But I'm still staying true to who I am mm-hmm. and what I'm called to. To me, that's the ultimate thing is that I've defined failure very, very differently. I don't look at it as, you know, someone was saying like, okay, do you look at, I was on another interview and someone was like, you know, how do you define failures and setbacks? It's like, I don't look at set, set I don't look at it as setbacks. I look at it as set setups. Like mm-hmm. there's set thing. And it goes back. I don't back look at to, it as setbacks. I look at it as setups. That's yeah. good. That's good. I mean, that's what Tony Finau was saying, right? In mm-hmm. his, his 
well-said statement that we're all pretty much losing all the time. It's how do you learn to then be a winner some of the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so wins and like, losses, wins and learnings. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes in life, you're probably going to learn more than you're going to win. But, but when you win, that win's going to be even richer because mm-hmm. all of those setups built you to that moment. So to me, I look at it as, okay, I'm gonna, like this consultancy that I'm starting or I've started, could it fail? Could it shut down and I never get a client? <laughs> Possibly. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I'm going to step in faith. But even if it were to happen, I still feel like I'm living my purpose. I'm yeah. living, I'm true to who I am. I've helped people in the, in the process. I've used my gifts and talents to lift up others. And now I'll move on to the next thing. Yeah. As we're talking about fear of failure and you're saying it's an emotion, we were saying you can decide whether or not to let that emotion live within you. I'm reminded of something that I learned in therapy years ago, and it's the the real approach to letting go of emotions that you don't want to hang on to. And my therapist taught me to envision placing that feeling on a cloud and visualize that cloud floating away. Now, that's that's heavy stuff. <laughs> Somebody may or may not want to use that, but in times of when things get really hard and my emotions start to really ramp up and I I know they're not rational, <laughs> I will I will employ that technique and I'll visualize placing that feeling on a cloud and watching that cloud float off. It's calming. It helps me and it brings me back into the moment that it isn't real. Yes, I'm experiencing fear, but it's just an emotion and I can move through it. So I I share that tactic in case it's helpful to anyone who's like, yeah, I'm fearful, but I don't know how to break free. Maybe that's something you could try and employ. Let's talk about mindset and how do you change your mindset when you start to doubt yourself or when it starts to bubble up and you're thinking about taking a risk, you know, you're, you're, you've stepped out on faith here, started your consultancy, but you know, you've taken risks all along your career and I'm sure there's been some self-doubt in that. I know there has been because we've chatted about it. So how do you work with your mindset on that? Well, I think it's, again, I, it's so hard for me to talk about mindset without talking about my faith because it's, mm-hmm. it's so who I am. And like I said, that's my North star. And so the core of, of my mindset rests in that I trust, I trust God to take care of my life and to guide and lead me. And so when I have waves of doubt or fear or anxiety, you know, my thing is I just remember, okay, I have a purpose. God's made me for that. He has a plan and I don't need to stress out about it. I can just trust him. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that not everybody shares my Christian faith. And so I don't, but I do think there is this sense of introducing, for me, it's really positive thinking that offsets those negative thoughts. And to me, that positive thinking is through my relationship with Jesus, with God. I mean, that that's who I am. But I recognize that everyone is shares my faith. But if you if you don't have a faith, I mean, I you know I still would encourage you or have a different faith. 
Mm-hmm. I still I would encourage you to still be, remember all the times. I, there's an interesting of like stones of remembrance, like remembering the things when you had fear before and how you triumphed. Mm-hmm. Remembering the times when, you know, I was talking to a, a family member of mine who lost a role recently. And I said, you know what? You've been down this rodeo before. This happened before and you got through it and you got to an incredible job. So it's going to happen again. And so mm-hmm. it, was, it was a stone of remembrance, remembering that this is not the first time you faced doubt or fear or challenge or worry, and you did get through it. So if you're a person that likes to journal, journal those Just things. Just about to say that. Journal. I'm not a good journaler, mm-hmm. but I, I wish I would be. But if, But remember those things. And you know, one thing I've done every year is I don't journal every day, but at the end of the year, I write a little letter. I actually write it to God and I write, okay, here's all the things that gave me joy, that were triumphant, here were the challenges, here's how I overcame. And it was just a great journal of remembrance to say, okay, now when I face the next year, I can kind of go back and look at those places where I thought I was in the total pit. I'll never, I'll mm-hmm. never get out. And I got out. Mm-hmm. So again, my faith is what gives me that inspiration. But regardless, I would encourage everyone to just take a reflective moment and remember all the times you face doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, you know, and challenges and you overcame. You overcame. So you are, it is possible. You can do it again. It's, this is not new. Right. And it's just, it just looks different or feels different. I, I fully agree with that. I was jotting down some notes as you were speaking because you're right about, you know, journaling about it. If 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 you aren't a woman of of faith like you, and you and you to your point, you recognize maybe not everybody is. There are still other ways that you can have a belief system and remembering when you've overcome challenges. And so, here are just some tips and ideas. To Sheba's point, you can journal. If journaling's not your thing, keep post-it notes and a jar or a box or something handy. And when you have a success, when you've overcome something, jot it down on a post-it note, drop it in the box. Another thing that you can do is when you get praise, someone sends you an email, someone sends you a voicemail, those sorts of things, save them. I have a, I have a folder in my emails and I drop those moments of praise into my email. I also have the same thing. I take screenshots and I drop them into a folder on my phone. I love that you write a letter. That's really interesting. I've done that in the past for things I'm grateful for. So I'll write a letter. And then the other thing that I personally do is I keep an Evernote on my phone and it's an ongoing list. And I keep two different lists. I keep a lot of lists, but these are the two I'll share in this moment for this point. I keep a list that says, if I could do anything, I would. And that is an ongoing list that I add to that when I have a big idea, something that I'd love to see in my life that I do, I add it to that list. And then I also have a list of accomplishments. I do it by year and I try and add to it throughout the year of big things that have happened, big wins, small wins. But oftentimes I end up making that list at the end of the year, but it's really fun in moments of self-doubt to go back and look at those places. So wherever you keep those, you've got to keep it 
Another podcast guest, Lauren Hassan, talks about keeping what she calls an at-a-girl journal. And it's just a journal where you're patting yourself on the back for all your, your accomplishments, career or otherwise. So there are some takeaways, some ways that you can keep up, ladies, with all the things that you are doing right. Because I feel like as women, I see it in our community, we can get so caught up in focusing on all the things that aren't going well in our lives that we aren't doing, that we aren't living up to. And the truth is you're knocking the cover off the ball. More sports analogies for this podcast. You know, that is such, I love that. And I'm, I'm, I'm taking note too of the, some of the tips you had. And I think for all of it points to a singular point, which is that if you're moving forward, you are overcoming. That, that period. So if you're right. alive and breathing and you got up today and there is, you know, hope in your heart, you have already overcome and achieved. Mm-hmm. And so it's just reminding yourself that you've done it before and how, and that, and, and how you do that, whether it's the Evernote or it's a letter or it's a journal, it's just remembering that if you are still here and breathing and yep. living, you have, you are overcoming and mm-hmm. you are achieving and you are moving forward. It's movement. Moving forward means that you have already faced thousands of fears and doubts and challenges. You just don't remember it. Right. And I think, that's, I think that is the, this idea of remembering and remembering how much you have achieved, you know, and, and experienced to get you to this point. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can think about taking risks in our career without thinking about being courageous in those risks. So as we're starting to wind down our conversation, Chibo, another question that I wanted to make sure I got in was like, what's one big risk that you would encourage everyone to take at least once in their career? You know, it kind of goes back to the first question you had about being at the, being, not feeling like you are enough or that, that you're capable or being, or you're qualified to be at the table, I would say, go for the job you're not qualified for. Mm. Go for the job that you don't think you could do well, but you want to do. And it's, you know, it's that stretch assignment, like you said, Tara, earlier on, that, you know, because it's amazing that when you're put into a situation, you can draw on these talents and gifts you never knew you had. You just have to put yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. So I would say if there's a role you've been eyeing, but you're like, oh man, you know, I just don't know if I have enough of the resume or the skill. Or if there's a job where you're like, man, this is awesome, but it's going to probably feed on a fear I have. Like I'm afraid to lead people. I'm afraid to, you know, public speak, attack it by going after and actually trying it out. Well, that's great. Go for a job that you don't really think you're qualified for. It doesn't mean that you're actually not qualified. You just don't feel it. Exactly. Like, you know, it's like, for example, for, you know, I was sharing with a friend over lunch. I used to have a real fear of public speaking. And I speak a lot, which is ironic, but I really did not like to speak publicly. It would give me a lot of nerves and I would just feel uncomfortable. I would dread it. Mm-hmm. And I just decided mm-hmm. one day, enough. I, want, I believe I can be a speaker. I believe my voice can be used to bring light and hope to other people. And I'm never going to say no to a speaking opportunity. Even if it makes me super uncomfortable, I am going to do it. And I Mm -hmm. told God one day, I said, okay, God, 
just give me any speaking opportunity you have for me because I'm just going to say yes to it. Even though it, I inside I'm dying, I'm going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And I just faced that. And so I don't feel, I didn't feel qualified, but as I did it more and more, I said, hey, you know what? I, I can do this. I can do this. And so that's what I mean by going after something you don't feel like you're up for and just facing that fear and facing that feeling. And I loved you said enough, just enough, not enough of the excuses, enough of the self-doubt, enough of the holding myself back. I'm done. Yeah. It's what I heard in that. I love it. It was a decision. It was a crystal clear decision about probably about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. I said, okay, I'm not going to keep dreading this. I'm going to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And over time, you know, I've gotten better. It doesn't mean that sure. I don't still feel scared, but yeah. it's not this thing that's preventing me from not seizing the opportunity. I was hearing someone's story the other day, probably on Instagram, where she was talking about that she's in a season where she's doing all the things that she's fearful of. She's in, mm. and, and I can't remember what she called it, but she's basically facing down all of her fears and proving to herself that she can do do them. So maybe that's an approach somebody wants to take. Yes, yeah. I love that. Sheba, I've enjoyed this time. I appreciate that you've come on and talked about how your career has evolved, the risks that you've taken, where you've shown courage, and, and really the advice and guidance that you've given our listeners today. Um, before I let you go, I want to ask you the question that I ask every podcast guest and every woman that I speak to at Fierce Lab Live and at our events. And that is, I want to know what the word fierce means to you. Hmm. Gosh, okay. The word fierce means stepping in faith despite the fear you're facing. Hmm. Despite the fear you're facing. Stepping in faith despite it. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love it. And you truly are a fierce woman. I see you doing that. I see you putting that into practice and action. And you are encouraging us all to go out and find our fierce. Thanks for coming on and talking to me and sharing your story. I really appreciate you being our final guest of season three. It's been a delight to have you with me. Oh, thank you, Tara. You're the best. And I'm so grateful to have you part of my community and my sounding board. And I really am so grateful for you just being someone who's cheered me on and supported me. You're awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fierce Lab. If you did, I would appreciate it if you would subscribe and maybe share it with a friend. You can always follow us on Instagram at Fierce Lab.